This is Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be Heard Talk, an award-winning talk show that adds a taste of trap music, a side of Shakur, and spice to unflavored news. Each Sunday, we discuss race, politics, and culture from an unapologetic Black millennial perspective, and we give you the opportunity to be heard. So leave your comments on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn, and we will read them throughout this show. My name is Selena Hill, and I'm the founder of Be Her Talk and the digital editor at Black Enterprise. And after a two-week break, I am super excited to be here with you all because we have a lot to talk about. Later on in the show, we'll spend 30 minutes unpacking the assault on the U.S. Capitol led by white Trump insurrectionists incited by the president with our featured guest, Linda Sarsour an award-winning racial justice and civil rights activist and the co-founder of Until Freedom. Now, before I introduce my co-host, I wanted to thank our official media sponsor, Black Enterprise, as well as our sponsor, Black Spectrum Theater. Start your subscription today and enjoy Black Spectrum home video series. Subscribe today to check out 2000 Black, The Prophecy on January 15th, once Upon a Wife Time on January 22nd, and a conversation with Vivica A. Fox on January 29th. Head to blackspectrumtheater.com to become a season past subscriber and to learn more. Now, let's start the show by introducing my co-host, Stanley Fritz. Hey, what's going on? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, thank you. What's going on, Be Heard listeners? This is Stanley Fritz, your favorite former engineer on a PC ones and twos. Now I have a DJ set, and once I get nice with it, I'm going to show you guys all the tunes. But if you're wondering what I do besides talk sassy on the internet, during my day job, I'm the New York State political director at Citizen Action of New York. And when I'm not over here rabble-rousing and fighting for electoral change, I am writing my way out of a paper bag, usually not very successfully. But you can subscribe to my Substack at um, suckerforlove at substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, IG, um, Snapchat, not Parlor at Stan Fritz. Good to see you, folks. So, and good to see all of the people leaving comments. Thank you so much. We have people checking in from North Carolina. We have people checking in from New York and South Carolina. Let us know where you are checking in, and we will definitely get to your comments. Okay, so Tammy David, unfortunately, could not be here with us, but we have Evan Mastronardi one of our trusty correspondents filling in and joining us for the whole show. Evan, let us know who you are and how people can reach you. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. I was really excited that I got invited to this one. Uh, you can follow me at, at underscore Mastronardi on Instagram at let's not be trash with a B, not B-E. And uh, also on Medium at Medium Let's Not Be Trash, uh, which I co-founded with Stanley Fritz. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year. I feel like we just got an extension that we did not ask for on 2020. And somehow we just rolled 2020 part two into 2021. It had a good six days, but all, all of a sudden it was like 2020 came back with a vengeance and someone forgot the twisted tea. Uh, anyway, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure, Evan. So before we kick things off with Linda Sarsour, again, our featured guest who will be joining us in a little bit to talk about what happened at the Capitol, we're actually going to kick things off with the news roundup. So Stanley, please, thank you very much. Timmy is not here. I am very proud to take on a news roundup in the spirit of the petty goddess, the mess queen, Tammy Marie, mother loving David. So folks, this is the news roundup. We talk about things that are important, but usually messy. If they're not messy, they're politically relevant, and they make you feel certain kinds of ways. It can be Kanye West apparently cheating on Kim Kardashian for some racist bussy, or it could be people not knowing their place and talking to Gail King. But we'll be talking about it all, including Tiffany Pollard, New York's transphobic comments today. But let's start off with the most important piece in the news roundup. People not knowing their, their place or how to respect black women. That's right. The same mediocre white woman who tackled a 15-year-old child for a phone that wasn't hers then went onto a morning show and disrespected Gail King on live television. That's right. Karen. Which Karen? They're all Karens. Got on Gail King's show to defend herself, saying that she was attacked 
by the 15-year-old boy she accused of stealing her phone, even though all footage shows that she was the one that attacked him savagely. And while on that show, she decided to fix her face and her ashy lips to disrespect Gail. Can we play that clip, please? You're 22 years old, but you are old enough to know better. So I will say, you're 22, I get it. Enough. The hotel did have my phone. The hotel did end up having my phone. So first off, before we do anything else right here, I just want to tell folks, if you are watching the show right now and you're enjoying this, or even if you hate it, take a screenshot of what you're seeing and mention what you're enjoying right now on social media at Be Heard Talk. That can be done on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, anywhere, and we'll make sure we retweet and comment and let us know what you think about this young Karen disrespecting Gail King. And we'll make sure we highlight your post. Now, moving on to the reporter on this show, Selena. How did you feel when you saw this Karen disrespecting Gail that way? First of all, I mean, not only did she racially profile and accost a young teenage black boy, but then she has the audacity to disrespect Gail King, who is obviously an auntie and an older black woman. Like this young Karen has no respect whatsoever. And I read that she had the nerve to claim that she can't be racist because she's Puerto Rican. First of all, she shows up as a white identifying and a white facing woman, Karen at that. And for her to just completely be so dismissive to the disrespect she sent this black boy and to top it off by being extremely disrespectful to Auntie Gail, I was insulted. I took that personal. She put her hand like basically to her face and told her to calm down and called her by her first name. First of all, if we think about it, that has that's rooted in racism and our history of racism. Because how many times did white people call adult black men and women boy? girl and address them by their first name to basically dismiss them and disqualify them for being an adult. I didn't like that. And if you really look at what she's saying, she describes herself as a 22 year old girl. And then when she was describing the teenager, she said, guy. So it's automatically, she's trying to make herself a victim and she's not giving this young boy, um, she's not describing him properly. She's almost basically saying like, oh, he was a guy or like a man. And again, that goes back to history where even young black kids don't have the the freedom to be children because society places this adulthood on them. You know, when you wonder about who are the Hispanic people that supported Trump, she's one of them. I want to highlight a a comment I saw um, in our comments from Johnny Blue. Johnny says that she's a millennial. Her values are not the same. Evan, you're a millennial. What is Johnny trying to say with that comment? It's way more than just being a millennial. As Selena said, a lot of her behavior is absolutely rooted in racism. I highly doubt she would have done that to a white person. And the notion of Puerto Ricans not being racist or not, I'm not saying I could speak for all, of course not, but it is absolutely true. As you pointed out, voting for Trump, many, some who want to align and present white, you know, I can personally attest though anecdotes are not by any means the whole experience in my own building hearing very racist things uh, from unfortunately them. So, you know, any a lot of people who align with whiteness or can align with whiteness in their culture, wherever there's whiteness, there is racism. Wherever there is whiteness, there is oppression in all forms. And the way that she acted in that way was a complete disrespect for Gail King. It is much beyond uh, her age. It is, it is clearly based on race and other prejudiced views. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, Evan. I want to also highlight a comment coming from Elizabeth Wright from Facebook. Elizabeth Wright says, we have had Karens for years. It was a Karen who caused the death of many black men and of many black women, for the, for the record. I want to get a couple of the other comments that are coming in here because I think folks really feel passionately about this. So Bria H. from LinkedIn says, I feel like racist women will be quick to list what they're mixed with to avoid accountability. Bria, you are 100% right. That also happened, not just with women, but when George Zimmerman shot Trayvon Martin, they were quick to say that he was Cuban, I think it was, or his dad was. But listen. He's half Peruvian. Half Peruvian, yeah. That doesn't matter. Racism is racism is racism. Theo Baker says power is not about fighting. It's about building. Building what exactly, Theo? We're, we're dealing with white supremacy all over the place. So I want to move us on to the next topic, but I want to say always show respect to black women, especially Gail King. Who do you think you are? Now, speaking of black people handling the business as usual, this week was pretty ridiculous. And we're going to talk about the the passions of white nonsense that happened at the Capitol building. 
But before we do, we got to talk about the thing that had us all excited to go into Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, before the whites came and threw mayonnaise all over the Capitol building, everyone was feeling good, or at least everyone who loves democracy was feeling good about Ralph Warnock and John Ossoff winning their Senate runoff races. With those two senators in the Senate now, you have a 50-50 tie between Democrats and Republicans. And what that means is Kamala Harris, the VP, will have the tie-breaking vote, which means Democrats have control. That was very exciting and big news. Evan, before White Madness started, um, what were you thinking about these election results? I I was uh, extremely happy and excited, and I hate to throw any rain on anybody's, you know, excitement about this, but it then immediately did dawn on me that, well, hold on now, there are some Democrats in the Senate who may not vote like Democrats. Well, the one that came the highest to mind is Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who for a very long time has voted with Republicans. And he confirmed, I believe he confirmed Kavanaugh. He confirmed a bunch of Trump appointees when the rest of Democrats did not. So while it's great, I feel like Joe Manchin and Democrats like him will all of a sudden have an immense amount of power. You know, I think of the IDC, Stanley, in New York, where it was kind of like these in-between parties that had all this power because they were the swing vote. And I think we're going to see that now, at least with uh, Senator Manchin and probably other conservative senators, that they're really going to use their power to be a swing vote. So definitely progress, but a lot of work left to be done. Real quick, the IDC stands for the Independent Democratic Conference. It was a group of about eight Democratic um, senators who conference with Republican parties so they can get extra perks and more power in nicer offices. And in return, they voted with Republicans and blocked a lot of progressive bills in New York State. Go ahead, Selena. Oh, having some trouble hearing Selena right now. That's a Republican trying to block her vote. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Reverend Warnock being sworn into Congress was historic. You know, not only is he Georgia's first black senator, he's the first black Democrat to represent the Southern state, uh, to represent a Southern state in the Senate. And he has been a, a fierce advocate for civil rights. Um, he's the pastor of the same church that Martin Luther King Jr. preached at before he was assassinated for eight years at that. And a number of historic things have happened at that church. You know, John Lewis was laid to rest there as well. So I think that to having such a strong voice for the people at a time like this, it, it just couldn't be more perfect. Um, you know, we had four years of Trump, four years of uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, and, and just so much chaos. So I'm really excited to start 2021 and to go into a year where Democrats will have full control over all branches of government. However, I will say this, if something does not get done for black people, there's going to be a problem. The reason why um, these two last Senate races were even won was because black people and black women at that did heavy organizing and mobilizing on the ground in Georgia. They were door knocking, they were doing um, phone calls, they were doing so many um, ground hands-on initiatives to get black people to vote, especially when, and, and, and it was especially led by Stacey Abrams and other women like Latasha Brown, who was on um, Be Her Talk a few weeks ago. So they always won, okay? And now that they have this control, I want to see legislation passed in our favor that directly speaks to and will help advance our communities because we keep showing up for the Democratic Party and it's time for that to be reciprocated. You know, Selena, you're 100% right. But you know which name keeps being absent from the people that help win the election? And I wonder why? Keisha Lance Bottom. Mm. We haven't really heard much of her contribution to helping turn votes. I don't, you know, that's an interesting piece. But folks, if you're listening to the show, if you're watching the show right now, Take a screenshot of what you're watching, tweet it, post it on IG, post it on Facebook with comments, and make sure you include us at Be Heard Talk. And once we see it, we'll retweet it, we'll share it, we'll repost it. We want to know how you guys are feeling about the show. Let's keep the conversation moving. So, guys, we talked about some politics. We talked about some racism. Let's talk about some political racist mess. Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are getting a divorce. And apparently the rumor mills are going all over the place. Kanye West believes that Kim Kardashian cheated on him with Drake, probably did, and Meek Mill probably did. But now there's rumors that Kanye West cheated on Kim Kardashian with racist 
social media influencer, Jeffree Star. So Kanye West is leaving one mediocre white woman who's probably racist for a mediocre gay white man. What do you guys think about these rumors, Selena? First of all, the rumors have no validity. They have no grounding. I don't I don't give heed to, to gossip. It was started by a TikToker. Um, and I was actually on Clubhouse yesterday with Jason Lee, who's an open black queer man, who said he thought it was upsetting and disturbing that we continue to just throw around like, oh, this person's gay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I just feel like if you're going to tie somebody to somebody, let it be some legitimacy. The Kardashians already messy enough. Jeffree Star is already messy enough. Like, I don't, I don't, it just, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. Evan, what do you think about this rumor? I hate to sound like so boring, but I, I, I don't really care about most of this, honestly. I mean, I, I checked out with Kanye West a long time ago with, you know, one one insane comment too many. Uh, but perhaps this could be something, I, I don't want to sound too optimistic, but perhaps the Kardashian influence on Kanye West, and I mean, there's been a joke that a lot of men who get in that family don't exactly leave better. Uh, perhaps it will allow him to be more clear-headed, maybe find better influences around him and not be semi-less in the limelight or be able to escape when he wants. So all I hope from all of this is that Kanye West somehow gets better and doesn't do any more damage. I don't know. I get very frustrated by this narrative that Kim Kardashian did this to Kanye West. She didn't. Kim Kardashian didn't break Kanye West. Kanye West broke Kanye West. And I actually wrote about that in the Medium article. I'll, I'll look to share that with you guys a little bit later. But let us know what your thoughts are on Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Make sure you tweet us at Be Heard Talk. Make sure you also hit us up on IG at Be Heard Talk with your thoughts on Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. We want to know what you think. Even if you don't care and you think this is a silly conversation, we want to hear from you. Speaking of silly conversations that are also grounded in problematic language, Tiffany Pollard, a.k.a. New York, from the flavor of love, she has been getting a lot of criticism recently for being transphobic. So apparently on the show that is on Zeus TV, yes, Z-E-U-S TV, which you can also get access to for $3.99 a month, Chance, who was on New York's show, has his own show there, and New York came on the show and decided to say a bunch of transphobic comments, which has led to her getting lots of backlash. I didn't know that Chance had a show on Zeus TV, but he does, and apparently New York was there. What do you guys think about this? Evan, I'm gonna wait for you last, because it's obvious you're kind of tired of this kind of stuff, but Selena, you, like me, enjoy a little bit of mess. What do you <laughs> It was when I heard Tiffany, AKA New York's comments, uh, it, it was hard. It, it was, it was very hard to stomach. Like she completely berated this trans woman, um, on public TV. And I don't know if it's, you know, reality TV is scripted. So, but it, it was an assault. Like I saw some people in the queer community saying like, oh, this was, this is an example of violence. So there's some violence is verbal. So I, I think I'm not surprised that her show got canceled. I don't know what the director and the people and the writers of the show were thinking to include something like that. Like we live in a very different time and you know, something like that is, is, is definitely never appropriate and especially not at a time like this. And as shout outs to all the people still going off about Kanye, we, it looks like we triggered a few folks in the comments section. Yeah, Go can ahead, we hear Marjorie Fraser's comment actually? I wanna read it because Marjorie Fraser from LinkedIn is agreeing with Evan and Marjorie Fraser is saying, I agree. I checked out with Kanye a while ago too. Actually wasn't a real fan anyway, but but when he said the statement about slavery and was slobbering all over Donald Trump, I just couldn't even watch him or keep up or keeping up with the Kardashians again. I enjoyed the show as an escape, admire their family unity, experiencing travel with them, et cetera. But after Kanye, I stopped watching. Yeah, there's only so much stupidity that you can actually take. Tiffany Pollard needs to apologize. But there's so many horrible people about this. I just want one brief moment of levity. So before we you know, go to the main conversation, I do have one moment of levity for you. So for those of you who do not know, Doja Cat, AKA, I like to be on screen with racist white men and call them the N-word, and Saweetie, AKA the icy goddess, don't talk to me unless you can buy me a Birkin bag, join forces to make a new song that I know Selena will be posted on IG with one of her best friends. And the song is called Best Friends. 
Can we play a clip of that song real quick? Best friend, she a real baddie, but got her own money. She don't need no nigga on the dance floor. She had two, three drinks, now she twerking. She throw it out and come back in. That's my best friend. She a real bad. There we go. Selena, is this the bop for the COVID winter? Yeah, the COVID winter. Definitely a bop. Shout out to Sweetie Doja Cat, two black women working together. Um, we've seen it happen when it was Megan the Stallion and Cardi B, the success they had with Bop. I am not surprised. I will say that this song sounds very curated and very tailored. It's definitely uh, tapping into the zeitgeist of the moment and what people are posting on TikTok and Instagram. So to me, it just sounds like somebody was like, hey, if we put this up, it's going to go viral on Instagram and TikTok because this, this is what Gen Z and young millennials are posting. So I kind of look at it like that. Still a Bop. Still love Sweetie, not a fan of Doja Cat. Maybe Doja can redeem herself after all of the racist scandals she was in last year. I don't know. Evan, will you be throwing it in a circle at the next Super Spreader event in, um, at, in the, at the bar with the hookah lounge? Uh, I don't know what you're referring to at this moment, Stanley. Uh, but, hey, as long as they don't double team on an AMA on Reddit, I'm fine with, with jamming to it Wait, whenever AMA. it come on. That's, that's really my only take on that. So you're not going to throw it in the circle at the next Super Spider event when the song comes on? No, I'm not throwing anything. I wouldn't throw myself in it because I want to come out. So, no. How about you, Selena? Will you be throwing it in a circle at your next Super Spider party? First of all, Stanley, you know we don't go to Super Spreader parties, so you could just stop the shade there. Um, yeah, but I'm going to be throwing it in a circle very privately in my own home. Okay? That's it. I wonder what the youth think about this. You gotta ask Anaya when <laughs> when we get a chance what the youth think about this best friend song. I think it slaps, but I just can't stop imagining Doja Cat saying the N-word to that white guy who also hates black people. That's the only thing that comes to mind. Let's see what folks in the comments think about this song. <laughs> LinkedIn user. LinkedIn user says Sowetie is trash. Thank you very much, LinkedIn user. Um <laughs> comment as well. What was that, Selena? Chance Carlton Holloway. He oh, says yeah. another WAP BS. I don't know. Folks aren't fans. Marjorie Fraser says, while we're talking, although I'm a heterosexual straight woman, I don't care for terms for homosexuals as gay and queer. I wish we could come up with a better word. I'm I'm not sure. Oh, maybe that's related to Kanye West. But thank you so much for that. Um, and we'll close out by saying Elaine Tomlin. Um, says, who goes to super sprayer parties? Only the crazies. Only the crazies and a few of my friends. So <laughs> friends who are watching, sorry for judging y'all, but it's weird to go to super spreader events during a pandemic. Let's not do that. So anyways, folks, those were the news stories for the week. You made you laugh, cry, shake your head. Cool. Oh, Selena muted me because she was tired of me shading super spreader events. But those are the news stories for the week. Thank you so much for being a part of that. Now I want to throw it to Selena and the main event with the big sister, OG Linda Sarsour. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so let me start by just saying January 6, 2021 will be marked in infamy as a day that a militia of armed white pro-Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol in a violent attempt to block President-elect Joe Biden from being officially announced as the next U.S. president. In addition to brandishing MAGA hats and white supremacist iconography, some of Trump supporters were literally ready for war. In fact, an Alabama man allegedly parked a pickup truck with 11 homemade bombs, an assault rifle, and a handgun two blocks from the Capitol. Another man allegedly showed up with an assault rifle and hundreds of rounds of ammunition and even told people that he wanted to shoot or run over House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Plus, pipe bombs were found near the headquarters of the Republican National Committee and the Democratic Committee. Now, Wednesday's siege at the Capitol marked the culmination of Trump's quest to cultivate a fiercely loyal base of white supremacists who have felt emboldened over the last five years and have proved that they would do anything for him as they continue to feed into his lies about election fraud. In response to the violence, Trump told this group of domestic terrorists, and I quote, we love you, you're very special. So 
to help us unpack all of this chaos that is going on in the world, we have a very special guest joining us. We have Linda Sarsour. She is an award-winning racial justice and civil rights activist and the co-founder of Until Freedom. Thank you so much for joining us today, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. So Linda, you posted on Instagram. Matter of fact, I was, while this chaos was happening, I was like really in tune to your post because you posted on Instagram that back in June of 2018, you co-organized the largest women-led civil disobedience in American history to protest family separation and the zero tolerance policy. And that at that time, Capitol Police arrested over 600 women for staging a sit-in, a peaceful sit-in at the Senate Hart Office Building. What was your reaction to the fact that 14 or 15 people got arrested on Wednesday during a violent siege when you've been organizing for a, over a decade peaceful things and have been arrested over and over again? I mean, I was watching the whole thing and thinking of Brother Malcolm X and thinking about the chickens coming home to roost. So I wasn't even like, I'm like, y'all do you. But what triggered a lot of us as organizers is that we have engaged in nonviolent civil disobedience have and have been met with military. We have been met with the uh, armed National Guards. We have been met with tear gas. We have been met with, uh, of course, being arrested multiple times, um, especially on Capitol grounds. If they could figure out how to arrest over 647 mostly white suburban women, who were coming out and saying, I'm not going to live in a country where we strip babies from their mother's arms, then you would think that they would figure out how to arrest these folks. And by the way, when we did our sa family separation event, it wasn't even as uh, you know promoted, if, if that makes sense. We didn't promote our civil disobedience. So they were ready for us. How were you not ready for people who had already been promoting this January 6th event for literally the last few weeks? And so for me, the hypocrisy was literally on the main stage. I was sitting back being like, okay, now you get what we're talking about. Now don't tell me that we're not going to talk about race, that we're not going to talk about political ideology because they're ready for progressives. They're ready for the leftists, but for some reason, they're not ready for the rest. And I, actually, it's not for some reason. I know the reason because a lot of those fo folks that were part of the insurrection were collaborating with law enforcement. There is no way, Selena, in there that they could have gotten to where they got to without collaboration from law enforcement. There was just no way to explain that uh, other than saying that there was collaboration. Linda, I'm so glad that you brought that up because in another post, you actually said, and I quote, I know the Capitol grounds inside and out. I have been arrested inside and outside of them. There are multiple security checkpoints. DC officials and law enforcement knew for days and weeks that these folks were descending on the Capitol. So as someone who knows the Capitol Hill inside and out, I'm thinking, I've seen those pictures of you getting arrested inside the Capitol as well on the Senate floor, the House floor. Mm. I was thinking that whole time, like, how is it that they were able to make it that far, break into Nancy Pelosi's office, steal things, which is a federal offense, and then make it out and go to Olive Garden and the Holiday Inn, like Anderson Cooper said? Like, like, can how did, how did something like that happen? White supremacy, that's how it happened, Selena. And I want, I'm telling you, I, for, for folks like us, I'm not, you know, I don't want to watch an attempted coup in my country, but maybe you need an attempted coup by white supremacists for the rest of America to say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. We got to also do something about this. Maybe these are the real thugs. Maybe these are the real rioters. And maybe once and for all, people will start taking us more seriously because we've been raising the alarms and ringing the alarms for the last four years. And some of us even longer than that. And people said we were hyper hyperbolic. People used to say to me, you're just divisive. You know, you're just, you know, you incite fear in people. And now I'm just sitting back, you know, with my arms crossed, like, okay. And then people are like, damn, you know, Linda, you know, Stanley, other folks that are in our movements were telling us this, but we were not listening. And so this is, this for me right now is a wake up call to the American people. And it's also a wake up call to white folks. You know what I'm saying? And I, I said this the other day on a live that I did. And I said to white folks who are in the movements with us, you're welcome in our movements. You know, I, I organize with white folks all the time. Stanley organizes with white folks all the time. My thing is like, I need you to do some harder work. And the harder work is to go back into your communities and talk to your grandma and to your uncle and to your cousin. And, you know, Tamika Mallory one time said this in, uh, in the, at the 2018 Women's March, and she got so much backlash for this, where she said to white women, if you want to be my friend, you know what I need you to do? 
I need you to get disinvited from Christmas and disinvited from Thanksgiving dinner. You cannot come to me in the movement and say, Linda, I am in solidarity with you and Muslim people. I am in solidarity with you know, black folks. I'm in solidarity with queer folks. I'm in solidarity with marginalized people. But then you sit at a table across from someone who does not value my life, who does not value your life, Selena or Stanley. That just doesn't work for me. And so that's the hard work that needs to happen. It's not my job. That's not, I cannot convince these folks that were at the uh, capital of the value of my life. That's for their family members to do. And so that's the kind of work that we need people to do right now. You know what, Linda? Great point. Because I think to be a true ally, that's what we need our white allies to do. Go into your own communities, your own family dinners, and educate them about racism. We actually have a comment I want to read from Corrine White from LinkedIn. She says, any protesters that were not white would not have gotten that far without being shot or killed. On that note, I do want to open up the discussion to Stanley and Evan. I'll start with you, Stanley. What was your reaction to Wednesday? <sighs> there were a bevy of reactions. Some of them I'm not proud of. But initially, <laughs> when I saw that the Proud Boys were fighting with the cops, I was like, oh, snap. How did they How did they get like their friends who were off duty that day to show up and fight with them? And I just kind of laughed at it. And then I look again at 2 o'clock and they got into the Capitol. I was completely shocked because I don't think folks understand how hard it is to even get like within the perimeter of the building. I've gone to the Capitol to protest. I've gone there to work. I've gone there to do briefings. And it takes you 45 minutes just to get through security to go do a briefing when you're scheduled to be there. And they pulled all the way through. And now there are rumors that the police and maybe potentially some Congress members were working with the, with the rioters because apparently... Um, in an article I read from Daily Beast, a black officer said that Congress people can bring in anybody they want and they don't necessarily need to go to security checks. At this moment now, I feel the way that I felt after Biden won the election the first time, not the 40th time, is that we need to do some deep and serious organizing to white folks because if we don't, this is just the beginning. Oh, not me and not Linda, not y'all, but other white folks, just mm -hmm. clear. Sorry, Evan, you got to pull up and talk to me, people. Yeah, hold on. Before Evan shines like, in. Why did you get me alone? I know. And Evan doesn't speak for them. I just want to clarify. But Brittany actually left a really good comment. Um, Brittany E. from LinkedIn says the cops were taking selfies with the rioters. This is crazy, but our reality. Evan, what was your response to this white insurrection? Uh, first, I want to say it's great to meet Linda Sarsour. I've been a fan of your work for some time, so it's great to meet even under these circumstances. And I completely agree with you that I call it the little revolutions. You know, you got to go home. You got to not be afraid to talk to your parents, your uncle, your cousins, as we joke. Mm -hmm. Someone made a joke. Those are my cousins. I said, my, my cousins grow San Marzano tomatoes in Italy. But <laughs> I know what he meant, that I have to actually... And I do, and many other of us need to, especially Italians too, need to go to our family members and talk to them about disparate treatment, even you know, even if you come from a different immigrant background, how that's different from the black, Muslim, and Latino experience in the US. Uh, I, I gotta say, I looked at it like the logical conclusion of Trump's rhetoric and unfettered, unchecked white supremacy in this country. That's what it was. And I also agree with Linda that I wonder if now, because a bunch of white congressmen were at risk, if now maybe people will see this is an issue. Maybe now we'll even hear gun control uh, concerns come up. Now that it came to them, maybe now they'll see it's an issue. But maybe that's also wishful thinking. <laughs> Guess there's a silver lining in everything. Um, thank you so much. We're getting a lot of good comments. Somebody actually made a comment about the bombing in Philadelphia, basically saying that history is repeating themselves. We've seen so many. There it is. So Robert Taylor from Facebook says, wake up call. People forget Philadelphia. A bomb was dropped on a black, a black group of Black Lives Matter protesters and Black Lives Matter protesters were met by military when they were there. This confirms it's just a confirmation. Just Thank a, you so much. Oh, would you say, Linda? No, I'm saying he it says it, he's he's saying it confirms that it's just us. I mean, when we were in mm. Louisville, Kentucky, until Freedom posted a memo that was leaked by police officers from the Louisville Metro Police Department, uh, it right before a civil disobedience event that we were going to do before the Derby, and in that memo, what the LMPD says is. 
whoever has a vacation, whoever's out sick, you got to report to work. Every LMPD uh, officer had to report to work the day that we were arrested. So we were met by the entire Louisville Metro Police Department. And there are photos of from journalists across the country that came and descended on Louisville with us. 1,500 police officers with guns. In addition to that, National Guards who met us on the bridge outside the Kentucky Derby. And so my thing again is, so you are meeting a group like us who has a history, a very documented history of nonviolent civil disobedience. I've been doing nonviolent civil disobedience with the same people for close to two decades. We have never engaged in acts of violence. There is no history of violence amongst us. So there, there, it, 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 this never happened. The fact that the police department would then say, everybody show up to work for this nonviolent group, but then all of a sudden not be prepared and overwhelmed for a group that has elements of it that have a history of violence, like the Oath Keepers, like the Proud Boys, like other militia groups from around the country. So once again, what we've been saying all the time, when we say, you know, defund the police, when we talk about the military industrial complex, when we talk about taking resources from police departments and law enforcement and bringing it back to our communities for education, healthcare and clinics and infrastructure and jobs, maybe this is what people needed to understand that. Because you maybe people in our country feel safe and they're like, oh, got to call the cops. I don't call the cops because I'm not safe. And, and, and what happened on the Capitol when I saw the barricades being open and seeing the police officers waving people in and to your point, how people got on the Senate floor. If you are a congressional staffer, you are not allowed on the Senate floor unless your member brings you in there. So the fact that they made it into the Senate halls, right? And Matt, they were hanging from there. They were looting. I mean, you name it. Every crime you could think of happened really pretty much. So so, so the, the hypocrisy was on full display. And I hope now that our white counterparts and, and communities who believe that police are there to protect us, I hope that you understand now when communities of color and in particular black people say, we do not feel safe and we do not believe that police can protect us that you believe folks now, that you understand. Because like someone said in the comments, if we would have even dared to do, even get anywhere close to sitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk or even try to force our way and even pull up, pull out a crowbar to even try to crack a window, we would have been shot dead. There would have been no questions about that. And so for me, I hope, like I said earlier, and I'm gonna keep saying this, it's a wake up call to everyone to heed the calls of people of color in this country and to say that we gotta figure out how to work together. We gotta figure out how to call out white supremacists. We gotta call out white supremacy and we have to hold those in power accountable like the right. Hawleys of the world, like the Ted Cruz's of the world. And I hope now Ted Cruz knows that your chances of running for president are over, buddy. Oh yeah, All completely. All chances for being you know, uh, president are over. And, you know, Holly and I had the same publisher. I was published by Simon and Schuster and Simon and Schuster does publish other voices that I don't agree with. Like they publish, you know, all kinds of people, the hurt, the hurt, you know, Dershowitz of the world or whatever. But I got to say, I got to give them props, you know, for pulling Holly's contract. That's not an easy feat to do for a publisher like Simon and Schuster. So I want to give them their props and I want to give, you know, other platforms their props. I mean, that may some folks argue it might be a little too late. Yes, I guess it's better late than never. But in particular, Parler, which is where all the conservatives are going now, which is a free speech media a free speech media site where they literally incite violence. Someone sent me a post yesterday from Parler where someone said that I should be executed. I, that's not free speech just for folks that are also arguing on the left that this is a slippery slope, Linda. Don't support cancellation because eventually it's going to hurt us. I'm with it. You can say all the horrible, racist, bigoted things, and I will fight for your right to be a bigot. But you will not be allowed to be in a space where you can call for people's executions and then call that freedom of speech. That is not freedom of speech. That's actually violence. Um, Linda, I'm so glad that you brought up John um, Harley, I believe his name is, that Republican, gotcha. because I wanted to ask like, how much responsibility actually falls on the Republican Party at a whole, uh, I'll actually throw this first this question to you first, Evan, because you know it, it wasn't just Trump inciting violence. We had years of Republicans being complicit. So, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Look, any any oppressive uh, behavior needs enablers. We talk about it with sexual assault when men mm -hmm. enable men and allow for that behavior to persist. It's the same with white supremacy, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism. It's when it's enabled. So. 
this has been enabled for a very long time in the Republican Party. And it's only now when their own safety in, in both figuratively and literally their electoral safety and also their physical safety has been threatened that and they realize there's a significant, maybe not enough, but a certain portion of the country that won't tolerate it, you know, and vote them back in, that they need to say something. So the Republican Party absolutely has been a part of this. Um, and, you know, some Democrats have, too. And one thing I want to say about uh, I thought Joe Biden, I, I'm glad he said, you know, if this was Black Lives Matter, the response would have been different. But Joe Biden needs to understand, even if he says that most of America doesn't see it that way. And even his own supporters are not necessarily understanding that nuance with race. So this isn't just a one-time thing you can bring up in a speech, though I'm glad he did. He needs to bring this point home that these disparities constantly exist in law enforcement. They do. Um, Stanley, do you think that, you know, that being said, we can trust the Republican Party? I, I mean, a, a lot of us have said no. things here, like, you know, we no. have disagreement, but we should respect no. We disagree with it. Okay, no. go ahead. There's nothing legitimate about the Republican Party. There hasn't been for quite some time. There's barely anything legitimate about the Democratic Party. But at least they're not actually trying to murder black and brown people and not trying to destroy the Capitol because they didn't get their way. I want to push back on something that, um, that Sister Linda said, where she said that, um, I think you, Sister Linda Anson, said that Ted Cruz um, and Hawley, they've lost their path to the presidency. I don't think so. I think they become the top candidates for 2024 now. And I think they will have a very good chance of winning because the fact of the matter is while all this is happening and the Republican party is not legitimate, it is just white supremacy with suits and talking points. And Biden keeps saying that we need Republicans and he keeps on giving them breaks and we're not properly punishing these people. So what you're going to see happen is another resurgence in 2024 where all these people who put our country at risk are going to be empowered and have a chance to take away power from Joe Biden because he won't go as far as needed to hold people accountable and actually serve the people who care about the real interests of this country. Mm -hmm. if we don't, listen, I support restorative justice, but the fact of the matter is if we are not punitive in how we hold people accountable with what they did this week, they're gonna come back. If Ted Cruz and Hawley are not expelled from Congress, if Matt Geitz, and Kevin McCarthy are not expelled from Congress and these people don't get some serious prison time, they will know that they can keep on doing this. We are going down a dangerous road. You could be seeing the collapse of the U.S. government because white people refuse to see themselves. And I yeah, no. Go go ahead, Linda. No, I no, agree ahead, with saying about um, you know, Hawley and Cruz based on rhetoric and who they are. They're they're their street creds, as they say, kind of rose amongst kind of this particular brand of folks. So that I agree with. What I'm hoping happens is that somewhere along the line, they become, uh, based on evidence, complicit in what happened at the Capitol, which somehow disqualifies them, which is what I'm hoping happens. But I do agree with you that it's unfortunate that those folks in the Republican Party who literally were having pretty much a watch party um, you know, watching this all go down. They were proud of it. And you said this earlier, Selena, you were reading the uh, comments from Trump and Trump was like, I love y'all. Like, this is what they've been waiting for. There was a video of a woman that went viral that people were mocking. And I was looking at the woman and I watched the video like 20 times. And it was a woman who was, you know, pepper sprayed and the reporter came up to her and said, you know, what were you doing? And she was like, I was trying to get into the Capitol and I couldn't get in. And then, you know, I got pepper sprayed. And then the guy was like, but what, what, what were you trying to do with the Capitol? And the lady looked at him so sincere in her eyes. And she said, I was storming the Capitol. This is a revolution. So what, so the, 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 the scary part is they have been able to brainwash people across the country that truly believe somehow their rights have been violated, somehow something bad's about to happen. So they have to somehow save themselves from what's to come. And we have to understand how they got to where they got to. And, it, and, 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 and Evan said it, it was because there have been enablers and the Republican party has been a part of that every step of the way. And we on the left and the progressives, and I'm gonna just say this here, we're just not as organized as they are. That's just the bottom line. And I'm tired of us always trying to put the blame on everybody else and then not going back to our movements and seeing so much silos and this one's organizing with this one and we have this and we're a big tent party and our own party doesn't fight for us. You know, our own party 
has let us down so many times. The Republicans in their eyes see a party that fights for them, whether they're fighting for the wrong reasons or the right reasons in their eyes, it doesn't matter. They see them fighting for, for them. So we have a lot more work to do than they do. Um, Precious A has a, a, had a really good comment about some of the things you were talking to. Let's, let's pull up Precious's, Precious A from in LinkedIn. She says, are you sure about Ted Cruz? 75 million people voted for Trump. The rhetorics of the right is red meat to Americans who cannot stand the changing demographics of America. I would agree. They call it the browning of America. And, you know, a lot of people were brainwashed, but some people were just emboldened to really just share their racist views and to cap that as Trumpism. It's just a brand of white supremacy. And to the points that we're making and that Linda brought up, Trumpism isn't going anywhere. Trump may not be reelected, but he has started a whole new movement proving that you can be as loud and racist as you want in the 2020s and still be elected to the highest office in the land. So what ha what happens after that, Evan? The fact that, you know, we 75 million people voted for Trump, people stormed the Capitol, his brand of white supremacy isn't going anywhere. Yeah, that's that's my fear with the Democrats. I think my fear with the Democrats is that they're going to see Joe Biden's election and, and Trump, you know, whether or not he faces criminal charges, who knows, but Trump not being in office as more progress. And it is significant progress because rhetoric emboldens people. We saw that just now and we've seen it a while. But this ideology, this emboldening of white supremacy and all forms of xenophobia it's going to stay. It's going to perhaps find other forms. I wouldn't be surprised if regardless if parlors shut down, all these others are shut down, Trump creates his own app or Trumpers create their own app. And, it, and, and they keep finding forms for this racism. And Trump may have his own TV network after this and there'll be forums. So the Democrats cannot act like those 75 million people didn't still support this ideology. They still need to continue doing work and to support progressive ideals that make it clear that anything that is to that level, any type of oppression, racism, it's not like it's a light version, not like a watered down version. It is completely unacceptable in this country. And they can only do that with the principles, not just the candidates. Stanley, what can and what should people of color do to protect ourselves and our communities in this now post-Trump era? Mind our business. Let these white people deal with their problems. The mm -hmm. Uncle Toms and the Coons in the chat right now commenting, they saying shot fight neither. Don't go out there trying to stand on white people and get shot in the face, because I promise you, you'll be the one that gets those hands. When all those white people went and stormed the Capitol and they put a 6 p.m. curfew, you know who suffered the consequences of that? Black D.C. residents who had nothing to do with it. There were 35 arrests for breaking the curfew. 90% of those arrests were black people. Mind your business, because when white people catch a cold, you will catch COVID. And we see how COVID is working for us not very well. Additionally, white allies and co-conspirators, you need to go talk to these people. Organize, organize, organize. Because if you cut through the fat of the ignorance and the fever dreams, you know what they're asking for? They're asking for a $2,000 stimulus. They're asking for health care. They're asking for housing. I'm not going to help them see that. My black behind is going to stay in my black neighborhood with my black people. But you know what? These white folks, go talk to your uncle, go talk to your auntie. And if they are not willing to shift, then they need to at least know it is not safe for them to feel so emboldened to be racist. Because that's the biggest problem. People feel safe to be white supremacists. People feel safe to support this garbage. You need to feel very uncomfortable. You need to feel like you're not welcomed here. You are not welcomed here. And that's what we got to do. So John Womack... Uh, left a comment about white supremacy. Um, I don't know if it needs some clarification, but we do have a comment from John that I definitely want to get to. He says via Facebook, those toothless white people are not the same as white supremacy. Yeah. Linda, can you, okay, Linda or Stanley, um, if you guys could just clarify, because I don't, I don't know where the confusion is coming in, but it seems like there, there's some confusion about what is white supremacy in action. I think John is onto something. I think what he means to say is that those white people are tools of white supremacy. White supremacy is systematic. White supremacy is power, right? It is the supremacy of a race over others. Um, so what he's saying is we're looking at these toothless white people. A lot of folks are saying all kinds of things about them, trail of trash, whatever. Let me be also clear that some of those white folks were from Brooklyn. Some of those white folks were from Manhattan. You know, these are not all people that were coming from some boonie town in, in Nebraska. 
so what he's saying is right. Like we cannot look at individual groups of white people or look at the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys and say that is white supremacy. White supremacy is the policies that continue to impact our community. It's racial and religious profiling. It is the murder of unarmed black and brown people at the hands of the police. It is the lack of health care uh, when it comes to communities of color. It is a food desert across this country. It is the fact that most communities of color are literally swimming in debt um, because of the way the system has been set up for us to survive versus thrive. So he's right. Let's not look at the individual and say, that's the problem. No, the problem is way beyond who they are. They are just a tool to demonstrate the, in fact, power of white supremacy, that the, because of the color of their skin, the type of access that they were able to have on that day. But even beyond just the insurrection at the Capitol, every single day, our communities live white supremacy anytime we interact with the state. And then also, just trying to tell you on top of it, it's not just two plus white folks, like like Linda said, and I guess um, um, John was saying as well. There were NYPD members there. I wouldn't be surprised if the commissioner of the NYPD, Shea, was at that rally. There were members of the fire, the New York, the New York fire, fire department at that rally. There were well-paid, well-funded white people, white folks who flew in on personal jets to come mm -hmm. to this. And that is about white supremacy. Poor white folks tend to be the face of white supremacy because you tend to see the toothless white person or the poor white person calling a black person the N-word. But they do that because you can't make an argument for the rich person. At least you can say something like the poor person needs like needs funding, needs housing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this movement is being driven by well-off white people who are trying to maintain their power and taking advantage of the fact that poor white people have nothing in Philly race which is why we need to organize for white people. And when I say we, I mean a broader movement and I mean white folks, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I feel you. Thank you for clarifying Stanley and Linda. And, you know, speaking of organizing, Linda, you said earlier that we on the left, we progressives aren't as organized. And you're speaking to someone who has been, you're a seasoned community organizer. What needs to be done so that we can organize our communities moving forward and protect them? Because we see that these white folks will go to any measure to protect what they think is theirs because of entitlement and privilege, and they don't care who they kill and, and, and who gets killed because of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the last few weeks, we watched the progressive movement debate about forced to vote and Medicare for all. We engage in ad hominem attacks against one another. And so my plea to the progressives and to the left is to learn from the opposition that unity is not uniformity. We don't always have to agree on every policy. We don't have to agree on every approach to how we're going to have a legislative win or we're going to you know, do whatever it is that the goals that we're trying to meet. We have to organize in a strategic way, respect each other's lanes, everybody stay in your lane. And remember that the people who are counting on us are the ones that we are and work for, which are the most marginalized people. Follow the leadership of black women in our movement. Follow the leadership of marginalized people in our movement. We know how to get to justice. We don't have time to be petty right now in the movement and argue. And that's really what has been, in my opinion, the downfall of the progressive movement. Uh, you know, We have some wins here and there and that's great and I celebrate them too, but we could win so much more if we were aligned, if we had some unity principles, if we moved forward, if we did not take time to sit and criticize each other online, but use that energy actually to build up more leaders in our community, to, to train more organizers and to move together in an intersectional way, not to leave anybody behind. So we have all of that work to do, a lot of that work to do. And for me, like I said, and I'm going to say this again, focus, don't be distracted and stop. We have this other problem on the left where everybody thinks they're right. Everybody's right and everybody's wrong. What if you're all right and you do what you think is right, let somebody else do what they think is right and let's just keep moving forward. Because when we don't do that, we keep going backwards and then we get beat by and out-organized by white supremacists. So we are not outnumbered, but we definitely are out-organized in this moment. And I'm committed to continuing to organize and build power. You know, Linda, that's a, a great point. Um, I would be remiss not to ask, how can we support you and your organizing efforts? Because you, Tamika Mallory, my son, Angelo, Unsafrida, most of that, most of you guys have been on this show. What can everyone watching now do to support the efforts that you guys are doing as you are literally fighting for our rights? 
I really appreciate that, Selena. And what's hard for us in the movement, me and Tamika just talked about this the other day. We don't like asking for things. And it's very sad. We went to Georgia for a month on our own tab. We did not have money from the Democratic Party. We did not take money from neoliberals to go to Georgia and to organize. So when you see Black women organizers, when you see women of color organizers, give them what you can. And the reason why we ask people for money, and I tell Tamika we have to ask people for money, is because I want to be an independent voice. I don't want anybody to own my voice. I don't want to take money from corporations. I don't want to take money from groups that do not align with my values and principles. But when we get those $5, those $10 from folks, it keeps us independent. It keeps us bold and it keeps us brave and it allows us to stay on the front line. So you can go to Until Freedom. I mean, every uh, platform we have is Until Freedom. Venmo is Until Freedom. Our cash app is Until Freedom. You can go to untilfreedom.com and give us what you can. My son always says, what you have is all that we need. So if you have $2.75 and that's all you have this week, that's extra, we would be honored to have those $2.75 and put them to good use to fight for liberation for our people. Um, let's also, you also have a book that we could also be supporting out. Let's go to Linda's book as well, Anaya. And Linda, tell us about how we could support that your, your new book. So my book came out during a global pandemic um, and, it's, and it's actually so perfect for this moment. It's called, We Are Not Here to Be Bystanders. And the book chronicles the last two decades of organizing, both during Republican and Democratic administrations. It shows you the potential that we have as a people. Sometimes the book is going to make you outraged because I'm going to remind you of some things that happened. It's going to inspire you and move you. And really what it's going to do mostly is ground you in this moment. So it's going to remind you that no matter who you are, you are not here to be a bystander to injustice. And it, it gives you an instruction manual about how you can be involved in the movement. It shows you that no, you don't have to be someone extraordinary, Selena. I'm a daughter of a daughter of immigrants, the oldest of seven children. I'm a I was a young mom. I had a my first kid when I was 19 years old. I went to CUNY. I went to public school. There's nothing extraordinary about me. I'm like 90% of other New Yorkers. So if I can do this, you can too in your own way. And that's what my book gives you the opportunity to see yourself in the movements that we're a part of. So you no, can get you. all books are sold. I, I don't want you to get it from Amazon, so I'm not going to promote that, but it is sold uh, everywhere where books are sold. Gotcha. And thank you so much for that, Linda, and your work. Uh, we do have a few more minutes. I just want to wrap up, Evan, final thoughts on this conversation. And again, just moving forward in upholding American democracy. Do, do you what, what is the silver lining or the hope here that you can give us all in 30 seconds? The hope here is that some white people woke up like everyone on this panel has been saying. Uh, again, is that wishful thinking? Perhaps. But one, one term that Stan brings up a lot is harm reduction. And I want revolution, but harm reduction matters for all communities that are marginalized. And if it means that a few more Republican centers and a few more white people are willing to be organized uh, in a good place progressively and a few more senators are willing to vote as they should, and that reduces harm, I don't care about them personally. I don't care about have, having more respect for them personally. I just care about more reduction in harm for marginalized communities. So I hope that this will lead to some sort of wake up call to gun legislation, to white supremacy, infiltrating law enforcement, something that leads to harm reduction in marginalized communities. Well said, thank you for that, Evan. Stanley, I wanna give you the last word. Um, what are you hopeful for moving forward after we've seen the Capitol basically be, be siege, under siege and under fire? Um, what, are you, what are you hopeful for? Well, before I answer that question, Selena, I wanna give Chance Carlson Holloway props. He said he's gonna give $20 to Until Freedom. Chance, that's a lot, thank you. I'm gonna match that. That's a lot. I'm definitely gonna match that as well. I hope other folks will give to Until Freedom. Um, you can find them on Cash App at Until Freedom just how it's spelled. Um, so thank you, Chance, for, for laying out the gauntlet. I'm going to match you with that as well. This is an opportunity to really dig in and do the organizing that it will take to help dismantle these systems. There were a lot of white folks at that, at that riot. There were a lot of white folks who watched that riot and they felt justified, but there were also a lot of white folks who felt disgusted. White folks who said they care about law and order. White folks who said they care about American values. White folks who maybe didn't feel too great about Black Lives Matter protesters, but now we're starting to see the difference between those rioters and Black Lives Matter protesters, white folks who can be organized. If we can get white people to see the way that white supremacy damages them and hurts them, we can all be a lot better for it. 
We have to organize them. And while white folks are organizing white folks, black and brown folks should be organizing together. Black Americans with Caribbean black people, with African black people, with Latinx black people, with, with people from the Middle East, with people from Asia, all mm -hmm. over the world, because our number one enemy, no matter where you are on the globe, is white supremacy. And if we can build a multiracial movement committed to dismantling white supremacy and, and shifting power to those, from those who have to those who don't, we will be in a much better place. So I feel cautiously optimistic about what can happen, not because our elected officials, they will do nothing, but because of organizers like Linda and others. Yes. And I do just want to say this just to wrap up. Um, it shouldn't take an insurrection for white folks to finally wake up. And it should not have taken an insurrection to finally suspend Donald Trump's account. Donald Trump is a dangerous, mentally deranged man. And he's been using this platform to spew hate and to incite a riot. It should not have taken this. We've seen this play out in history time and time again. But I, I, I urge you, all listeners, white and black, let's make the changes so that we don't have to continue to see this history play out. It's time for change. It's time for something different. And I hope that you will join the movement and the freedom fighters in the movement like Linda Sarsour, who are fighting for the change that this country needs. On that note, I want to thank Linda once again for joining us here on Be Her Talk. I want to thank everyone who chimed in. We saw all your comments, of course, uh, but unfortunately, we couldn't read them all. But thank you so much for the engagement. Please take a screenshot, tag us, follow us at Be Her Talk. Support us, let you know what you thought about the show, and we'll be happy to read your thoughts and engage with you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. And until next week, guys, we'll see you again. Take care. Peace.